gentlemen, I want to apologize to those of you who are listening. I am witnessing a scene of such utter debauchery, such complete and rotten decadence, as to make a man of goodwill grow sick to the stomach. We are at the limelight down here in Greenwich Village. <laughs> and you know what that's like, friends. Well, it's even worse than you think. Listen carefully and you can hear the sound of unbridled passion. It's terrible. And why is this? I'll tell you why it is. It's Saturday night in America. And that is... Oh, he's nervous already, see? Do you hear that nervous... <laughs> Yeah, it's nervous night. There are thousands of guys who figure six weeks now I've been working, and maybe this will be the night. Well, standing at my vantage point, I can tell a lot of you it ain't. <laughs> Forget it. Get interested in your hamburger, and you'll be much better off, friend. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Saturday night in the village, and I want to tell you, you know, we are gathered here tonight, here in the limelight, to celebrate a peculiarly American holiday, which most of you probably don't even know exists. I received a communique from a high headquarters in Washington, somewhere, a very official place, last Wednesday. Big telegram, you know. Yeah, nothing makes you feel more important than to get a 22-line telegram. Big fat one, you know, you read it over again, you know, <laughs> telegram. And it says, Mr. Shepard, we want to inform you that at midnight, Saturday night, begins the 15th annual American Tutti Frutti Ice Cream Week. In a few minutes, friends, it's going to be Tutti Frutti time. Now, I suppose I shouldn't... They said be careful with using that name. It may embarrass a lot of people these days. You'll have to explain that to her back in Cleveland. Right? <laughs> But, but seriously, it is ice cream week starting up. They wouldn't have this in France. You cannot imagine General de Gaulle issuing a proclamation that it is Black Cherry Raisin Whip Week, but only in America. And I got that thing, see? I looked at it, and it suddenly hit me. By George, ice cream does play a fantastic part in the lives of almost everybody. Whether you know it or not, I mean, it's, it's almost invariably involved in dating. You know, ice cream. You go out, you sit down with a chick, you've got your white rented coat. It's after the prom. You've got that red, that wool little flower there, you know, that's beginning to fade a little bit from your sweat. You've got your cummerbund on, and she's sitting opposite you, and she's got that fantastic yellow dress that she got her mother and her she went they were two weeks to pick it out and you cleverly picked the corsage that clashed entirely with all with all known colors you got this big purple orchid you know is there anything more ugly than an orchid i mean can you, ah she's got a big tongue hanging out of it. oh they're terrible you know i one night i'm dancing with this girl and this orchid i sent to her kept going ah Big tongue, you know, yellow throat, and a big green eye. 
She was a nice, fat little girl with a fuchsia dress, you know. And you ought to see the way an orchid goes with fuchsia. And so this is what ice cream is like, and they're sitting there. You know, you know the, the feeling. You're, you're, after the prom, after the big date, you sit down, and your, your, your pants are so tight, you know, they're very sharp, you don't know how to sit with you, and you move your thing, you can hear the creases go boing. You know, that finish, and immediately all these accordion pleats go across here, see, and you're sitting. And the girl comes over and says, what do you want? You say, uh, I'll have a uh, hot fudge with uh, coffee ice cream, with some nuts. Uh, what do you have, uh, Esther Jane? <laughs> you know, you're going all out. You're letting her know that she can go all the way tonight, you know. And so she orders a butterscotch with vanilla. And ten minutes later, it arrives. You sit there. Here's this fantastic thing, see? This monster thing. It's got big green cherries on it that's looking up at you. It's that high. 16,000 calories. And you take your spoon, and you carefully begin to, you know... And, and you know what happens with that, that, that hot chocolate? How it makes that knob on the end? When it gets cold, you go... It strings out from your teeth. <laughs> you lick it off. Then you take another one. It catches on the front tooth. And she's saying something. She said, then you pull it, and then that instant. You know that fantastic instant when you know that the hot fudge is going on your lapel? <laughs> Have you ever had premonitions of disaster? You know it's going to happen. And the worst thing is to sit there for two hours, fantastic wit flowing. You know, you're just going out, and you don't realize until five minutes later when you get in the john, when you're about ready to leave, you had this gigantic marshmallow icicle hanging <laughs> with coconut all over it, you know. And, and the, the chocolate has spelled a four-letter word or something. Like that. <laughs> well, this is the whole ice cream, Betsy, and I remember one time. Now, I, I don't know whether you come from a rich-type family where ice cream was a standard operation in your family, but mine was not like this. This is northern Indiana, see? And this is strictly meat and potatoes country. I mean, and once in a while, canned peas. That was on Sunday, see? And occasionally, of course, it was continually interlaced, the kind of meat, uh, it's very important what kind of meat people eat. We were not eating filet. In fact, I didn't know what a filet was the first time I went into a place with a chick and she says, how are the filets today? I thought she was talking about fish. And so our meat consisted of meatloaf. Now, I don't know whether it was real meat, but it would come in a kind of a, a little cardboard thing, you know, and he'd put it in with a big slapping type instrument. He'd lay it in there and he'd weigh it. Three thumbs a guy's got, you know, he's weighing this thing. And I'd always, you remember those embarrassing things you had to tell the store when you were a kid? Your mother says, tell them I want it lean. <laughs> and here's Oschenschlager back there, you know, the meat market. Big Oschenschlager, he's got a straw hat. And I walk in, I say, Mr. Oschenschlager, I want, my mother wants, he says, I know, a pound of hamburger, lean. Yeah. <laughs> lean, you know, and it, it comes out. It looks like a ground-up candle with a little ketchup on it, you know. <laughs> that was called lean hamburger in Oshenschlager. 
five minutes on the stove and it melts down, you know. It just melts, you know. You can light a whole ship or whatever, you know. An old Asha, another, another thing about Asher Schlager, I remember going in there, my mother would say, go and get something for lunch. Get me 15 cents worth of summer sausage sliced thin. Now tell me what it's sliced thin. And Asher Schlager loved that. He played with kids like a great angler plays with speckled brown trout. And I would come in, you know, and there'd be all these ladies are all around me, Mrs. Rutkowski, Mrs. Anderson, the official ladies, and Esther Jane Alberry's mother would often be there. You know, the, the chick that I was going with. I'd walk in, I'd stand at the end, Asha Schlager would look down over the counter, what do you want? You don't have two little beady eyes. Look at what do you want? And you know that moment when when your mother insists that you take a note, and you say, "I can remember, Ma, gee whiz, wow!" And now Asha Schlager's looking right in the eye. <laughs> what do you want? She says, "Well," she says, "Come on, I ain't got all day. What do you want?" And all the ladies are griping, you know, yelling. He said, "Well, up, up, up." He said, "Give me the notes." <laughs> Humiliated again. You stand there. You've got your hand up, and there's a sweaty little note. He reads it. And this is the way Ashen Schlager did it. He would play it for everything it was worth. He'd say, 15 cents worth of what? Summer sausage sliced. How did she want it, kid? He knew how she wanted it. <laughs> and you know why she wanted it sliced thin? For one millimeter of summer sausage, you could get nine sandwiches, <laughs> if properly sliced. You know, it's very important, so he would do that. He'd say, how did you, she wanted it, what, T-H, what is that letter? Thin, she wants it sliced thin, oh, I see, okay, 15 cents sliced thin, I'll eat. And he'd walk back, and all the women would look at me, and automatically my family is humiliated. I'd say, well, <laughs> she's... She's going to stuff it with uh, cottage cheese. <laughs> Something, you know, with the toothpicks and stuff. She's having a party. And then Ashton Schlager would start slicing. Have you ever seen those guys slice a really good meat market operator? He's got the salami here, you know. He lays it down there. And it's got this big blade. Have you ever watched that as a kid? And his finger gets closer and closer, see? He's playing it like that, you know. And you can see the blade. It goes, ding, ding. Ding, and the slice flies off. Ding, 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 ding. And you're watching. <laughs> you know, he's ding, ding. And he's playing. And he says, Ah, oh, I'll tell you, Charlie, boy, the next time them come, ding, ding, ding. He knows where that finger is, you know. <laughs> this is his little theatrics. It's showbiz. You know, the whole thing. He's ding, 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 ding. He says, 15 cents. Is this thin enough? He holds it up, see, to the light. And you can read the Chicago Tribune through it, you know. He also says, it's all right for her, kid, all right. Can I take my little pile of summer sausage? I go out. You know that little thing, someday, Ashen Schlager, I'll be grown up, and I'm going to buy summer sausage unsliced. <laughs> oh, I love to do that now. It's a terrible thing. It goes back. I love to go into the A&P and say, me a half a pound of that. Don't slice it. I'll eat it here. <laughs> Bite it right up. Make one big sandwich, and I'll show the guy. 
Oh, yeah, and then that fantastic day when Aschenschlager, I'm in there with Flick and Bruner. I'm getting summer sausage. Flick is getting lunch meat. Euphemistically called lunch meat, you know? That you, you know, that funny meat. And, and we're all standing back there, and Aschenschlager's got the machine, see? Ding, 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 and he's talking to Ollie, you know, Ollie. Well, I tell you, Ollie, ding, 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 and all of a sudden, there was this thin red stream that hit the ceiling. And by George, we had the most exotic summer sausage that day. And by the way, he charged us for it. He said, two extra slices. So, you know, it was the, that was the kind of scene it was. So, you know, ice cream was a fantastic thing. And about every third or fourth week, the old man would come up the back steps. You know, it's home for supper. You hear the car come roaring up the driveway, and you hear these steps. You know, the old man's coming in. Bang! The door opens. He comes roaring in. Already his shirt's half off, you know, and you can see his BVDs. He's taking off his pants. Oh, yeah, he would hit the, uh, he'd hit the back steps one shoe off already, you know? I remember my father totally naked constantly. You know? And he comes roaring in, you know, takes off his pants, and he comes tearing in, he sits down, he says, okay, how about a surprise? How about a surprise? So the entire family snaps to attention. The old man is here, it's time for surprise. He says, how about after supper, going down to the igloo for ice cream? You know, he hit a $2 ticket today. You know, and all of us, oh boy, ice cream today. Holy smokes. And then immediately there would be these fantastic theological arguments that would develop as to what is better, chocolate, grape nut, have you ever had grape nut ice cream? You used to get that all the time. What is better, coconut? Big battle. And then at 7.15, just as it's getting dark out, you could smell the coconut somewhere off in the distance. They're making the ice cream for us. You could see the steel mills laying like jagged sawtooth edges right on the horizon. That was our entire world. And at night, on a, on a, on a quiet, hot summer night, you know, you can see the steel mills for like 40 miles. The whole sky is red, like, like the northern lights. You can see the smoke rising. And we get in the Oldsmobile. The old man's all dressed up, you know, he's got on his slacks. You know, isn't it funny when, when my father, did you belong to a father who when he got dressed up, put on two-tone shoes? That meant he was dressed up, two-tone brown and white, you know, with the big things. And, and, and always they would, they would try to make the white white, you know, with that stuff that comes in the bottle with the round thing on the end. And it would slop over on the, on the brown, you know. <laughs> that was, you know, that was high life in Hammond. See, so he gets in the front seat and he starts driving. And he says, well, kids, what do you want tonight? You want a Sunday? Or do you want a, how about a triple deck ice cream cone? And all the while you see the window is open, and he is peppering the surrounding motorists with four-letter words. <laughs> it's all part of the ice cream world for me. You know? Oh, he was fantastic. He would say, how about, let's see, how about a triple-dip ice cream cone? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 
It never, it was not anger with him, you see. That was called driving. <laughs> Nothing to do with anger, you know. And the other guys are driving around. There was all a constant uproar, you know. The guys are yelling, Bruner yelling at my old man, back and forth. And we finally arrived at the igloo. Now, how was the igloo? <laughs> and about 4,000 other steel worker families are there, you know. They're all lined up in the cars, and the car hops, and the whole scene. And they bring me my triple-deck ice cream cone. I would have one ball of pineapple, one ball of chocolate, one ball of strawberry, and I would start to suck the bottom. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, have you ever had that terrible desire to do that kind of stuff, even yet? You know, you walk into the Four Seasons, say, bring me an ice cream cone, please. <laughs> For dessert, you know. I like to suck the bottom. Give me one of those. <laughs> terrible, you know. <laughs> so this was the whole big thing, going to the igloo. Well, one summer, I was nine, a historic moment occurred. You know how it is when you live in a, in a small town? Everything is sort of in equilibrium. I mean, there is one store, there is one big supermarket, there's the post office and the pool room, and there's, you know, there's the bowling alley, there's the places up above the bowling alley where it says dentist. Oh, yeah, I can remember many an afternoon getting my teeth filled to the sound of guys trying to get the 710 strike, you know. Oh, yeah, so that, everything is in equilibrium. Well, one summer, a guy opened up a place directly, a guy from out of town came in, a big chain, big outfit, opened up a place directly across from the igloo, and they called it the Red Rooster. Another ice cream joint, see? And everybody went to the igloo. You know, it's kind of like home. You, know, you knew all of them. Aggie, the waitress, you know, the big fat behind them. You know, you know the whole crowd. You know, old John would come out from behind. You know, always, always those dripping ice cream scoops. And you know, you knew everybody, see? And suddenly across the street is another joint. And they've got a big parking lot. They have put dough into this, see? And they've got these big green plastic shields of it. Oh, fantastic. They have these magnificent chicks imported. <laughs> See, in Hammond, they didn't have women. <laughs> there were no girls in Hammond in the accepted sense of the term. There were just Esther Jane Alberry and Helen Weathers and stuff like that. Yeah, they brought these girls that had these big cowboy hats. Yeah, you know, with the high boots, the little shorts, the little red things. And they're open for business. Yeah. Well, once in a while, you know, a kind of a dissident car would drive in. See, you'd skulk in, and you'd see, you'd see across the street the igloo, and they're looking through the window. That's <laughs> that shepherd's car. <laughs> and boy, from that minute on, whenever you went to the igloo, you got hollow balls of ice cream. <laughs> Incidentally, how many of you know that there are about five thousand ways to be an ice cream clerk? Oh yeah, I spent two weeks learning how to take a scoop. Out of, a, out of a big tub of vanilla so that it looked like a fantastic ball of ice cream, but it was as hollow as a ping pong ball. <laughs> you know that little trick? Oh, yeah, you can great big with you. Look, your nose goes right into the cone immediately. Well, here's the igloo scene, and it's hot. And everybody is going to the igloo, and nothing's happening at the Red Rooster. You got the scene? It's a hot July. And one day, we're sitting on the front porch. It's after supper. It's the swing bit. My mother's got a swing, you know, back and forth. The old man's sitting there reading the paper. 
The White Sox have dropped 38 straight. It's rocking back and forth. You can hear Bruner trying to crawl up the basement stairs. Life is going on, and somebody is sprinkling the, the stickers down the street, you know. That's called sprinkling the lawn in Hammond. You sprinkle the weeds. And you can hear just ordinary life, and all of a sudden, next door, Mr. M.D. drives in. His car is trailing smoke. He runs up the front porch, and he hollers, Hey, Mel, come on, get your ma! Hurry up! They've got an ice cream war on! We never heard of an ice cream war, you know? You know, we, we imagine that, that the Japs attack us or something with banana splits or something, you know? <laughs> an ice cream war, see? And MD comes out on a porch and he hollers over to my one, Hey, they're selling 10 cent ice cream cones over at the Red Rooster for 7 cents. Get going! Instantly, the neighborhood is galvanized. <laughs> 7 cent ice cream cones. The 10 center, you know? And you can just see people going out of the houses, pulling their pants on, you know. Yeah, you can hear old ladies, you know, putting on their, their, their things and running out. Oh, yeah, you can hear, wait, wait, I saw one old lady running down the street trying to put on her maiden form like this. And the crowd is yelling, into the cars, and down the street they go. Well, I want to tell you, it was one of those nights. It, it's, it's about 7.30. It's hot. And maybe that's what... That's what was one of the key facts. There's another one. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was so hot, and you could see the steel mills that night. You could, it, was, it was one of those nights where everything is just hanging there. Millions of mosquitoes. Oh, boy, they were just, you know, you could see them flying in formations and doing slow rolls. Oh, yeah, we had mosquitoes that used to put on air shows for us. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they'd come out, you know, I'll, I'll, speaking of mosquitoes, my old man, you know, it's funny. It's funny how, how when I go past Abercrombie and Fitch, which I do occasionally, and you see these pictures of these guys, you know, in the magazines and in the posters in Abercrombie and Fitch, these distinguished-looking gray-haired guys, or these tall, slim, dynamic-looking types casting flies. You know that thing? Or they're carrying these big Winchester deer rifles and they're hunting a bear. You see the grizzly gosh? I always think of my old man's favorite sport. Mosquito hunting. <laughs> you know that my father was, was truly a, an accomplished mosquito hunter. He's the only guy I ever knew, seriously, who carried his fly swatter in a shoulder holster. <laughs> He always had the fly squatter with him, you know. And, and I, I remember him going down to the A&P every summer in the spring to pick out his new weapon. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, see, that was his Abercrombie and Fitch. He would go into the fly squatter department. And, you know, they had, had all kinds, you know. There was the little thin wooden types with just a little piece of screen. Then there was the long metal type with a little piece of rubber with the holes in it, you know. That was for ladies. He hated that kind. Then there was the kind that came with the pistol grip. Oh, yeah, this was the fine fly. It had a pistol grip, you know, and he'd whip it. You'd hear him back there in the A&P practicing, you know, swap. That's not bad, not bad, not bad. And he'd pick it out. At that night, it'd be 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd hear the old man, the season has opened. Yeah, he'd wait at midnight, the season started, see? Well, mosquito season in Indiana is June 20th. 
any mosquitoes taken before that time are illegal. So it's, it's June 20th. The old man is asleep, see? Sleeping down there like that. I'm a kid. And you know that, that sound? How many of you ever had a father like that? The sound, all of a sudden you hear... Everybody wakes up. Don't make a noise. I hear another one of them damn mosquitoes. There he goes. And then you'd hear him jumping up on the top of the bed. And my mother's saying, oh, please, why don't you get a spray or something? He says, no, no, I'll get him. Bang, 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 swap. Muffled curses. He had met a worthy adversary. Oh, I'll never forget, he pursued one mosquito for over four weeks. One, he could tell him, you know, he would come in the same one. It was the Baron von Richthofen of mosquitoes. Oh, yeah, night after night, that mosquito would get him, you know. He'd, see, he'd be hanging on the ceiling, just big, fat mosquito. You could see the blood in him, you know. My old man's blood. The old man would sneak up on him. He's sneaking up on him like that. And then you hear, whoa! He's gone again. Like, don't, don't move. And then he disappeared. It was one of those mosquitoes that had a secret hiding place. He would disappear, and the old man would, would hide by the bed. Go to sleep, all of you. He'd wait. Once in a while, a second-rate mosquito would go by. He'd leave and go. And then that night, that hot, early August night, I hear the old man leap with a cry, a passionate, inchoate cry of the hunter on the track. He's up on the bed. I hear that thin humming. You know that, that thin humming sound that you hear when you're asleep? That little... And it fades off. And then it stops. That's the moment, you know. You know that moment of, of, of when the mosquito is scoring? When you hear... It stops, and you say, it's on my forehead. <laughs> it's on my forehead, you go, bam! Nothing. Then, whee! Whee! Well, it was one of those nights, see, I, mosquitoes were all out. And this night, the old man jumps up on the bed. I'd heard that humming, hour after hour. He's up on the bed. He says, there he is! Whee! He looks. And I'm standing in the doorway watching. My kid brother is under the day bed crying, whimpering. My mother is cowering over. I know, honey. It's all right. It is. My mother is cowering over by the dresser. And the old man is sneaking. And he's got his BBDs on. I always get that picture of him. You know, the bottom is all open. Yeah, that kind that opens up all over. You know, he's hanging there like this. The great hunter. And he's got his pistol grip. Mosquito swatter at the ready. You can see him flexing it. And this mosquito actually played him. There's a brief moment. The mosquito's looking down, see? And he goes, Wee! Spinning around. He does a slow ear movement. The old man is moving with him, see? These were two worthy opponents. Let me tell you, you don't often see such a well-matched team. Four months it had been like this. The old man's moving back and forth. Whee! And all of a sudden, I'll never forget this shot. Oh, it was obviously lucky. The old man got him on a ricochet carom shot. 
He bounced off the light bulb. He did it purposely. He liked to play himself off this mosquito, play himself off the light bulb and swing down. The old man got him up, bing, ball off the screen. He went down, and there he was. The old man stood there for a second. He said, got him. And he looked, and you could see a tear in his eye. He had killed the only great adversary he ever met. The greatest mosquito of them all. His season was over. Let's give hunters everywhere an applause. Back to Gene Shepard.